Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Marsha Moran about her book and her stroke recovery. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, formerly MFNC, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I just recently launched the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com and be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Don't forget, you can also join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, our guest is Marsha Moran, and after 20 years in business, Marsha successfully built Performance Architect and Positive Business in, in Washington, D.C. in 2012. As an in-demand business strategist, Marsha thought she had the world by the tail. Her hard-earned success came to a screeching halt in 2014 when she suffered a stroke. With her ability to walk and talk stripped away, Marsha never gave up. When she was released from the hospital, she was bothered that there were no books on advocacy. This prompted her to author Stroke Forward, how to Become Your Own Healthcare Advocate One Step at a Time. A labor of love taking over four years to write, Stroke Forward is the perfect book on how anyone can become a healthcare advocate for a loved one. Marsha holds a BS in political science from the University of North Dakota and an MBA from Chapman University. She attended and I'm going to totally ruin this name, Skirnesel Folkehoikeskol in Norway to study art. She earned her certificate in well-being foundations of personal transformation from the Personal Transformation and Courage Institute. Marsha became a Toastmasters International Club Officer in 2017, then Area Director in 2019. She volunteers at the Brain Injury Services Supporting Their Speakers Bureau program. So, Marsha, welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to have you here. And I'm going to have you pronounce the name of the school you attended in Norway. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me, Amy. The school I attended in Norway is Sheeting called Folke High School. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't even close. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe I should take it out. 
cool, though. I think that's really yeah. neat. You studied art in Norway. I think that's a very cool thing. Yeah, and I'm so, still connected with those people. So, yeah, that's super cool. So, Marsha, uh, welcome to the podcast. I would love, let's just kind of start with your story. Um, you were cruising along with your business um, yep. and you had a stroke. So, walk us through what happened. Well, it was Sunday morning when I woke up and I felt off. So I reached over, grabbed my phone, and texted my my friend Michelle and told her, I'm not coming to breakfast. But it didn't quite turn out right. So I went, well, I'll text her later. I put my phone down. I rolled over, and I had the most excruciating headache at that point. And despite how much it hurt, I still fell asleep. When I woke up the next time, I was completely paralyzed down the right side of my body. And I didn't know it then, but I couldn't speak either. I knew at that point I had one or two choices. I could choose to make my way out of the bedroom and try to get help, or I could choose to lay there and possibly die. Um, So I rolled onto the floor and I grabbed the carpet and pulled myself inch by inch across the room until I met the, I I reached the door, which was closed. And I had to figure out how to open it. And my reach was a little bit too short, but after seven or eight tries, I finally snuck it open and I rested for a while And then I finally made my way down the hall. And the hall is actually worse than the carpet was. And it could be that I was just running out of gas. But by the time I reached the stairs, I totally lost it and I couldn't move anymore. Um, But the important thing for me is I don't know what fell, but something fell and my husband heard it and he came out to see what was wrong. So he was home when this happened. He was, he was home. Which I'm sure yeah. is very fortunate. Yeah. Well, if he, if he hadn't been home, I think I would have died because yeah. I would have played there all day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing the stories I hear, the serendipity. Um, I had a young woman. She was only, I believe, in her 20s. And she happened to come home for lunch. And her husband shouldn't have been home. And he was home. And she went home for lunch because she wasn't feeling well. And Mm -hmm. she was having a stroke. Um, So it's just, it's so amazing how, you know, the universe intervenes for us. So did he recognize what was happening? No, we didn't know what was happening. So he asked me, are you all right? And that's the point when I realized I couldn't say anything. (laughs) So he called 911, looked around if he could figure out what happened, and waited with me until the ambulance arrived. And the paramedics knew it was a stroke right away. And so they told him, we're going to this hospital. And he goes, but why? Because it was farther away than the local hospital. Mm-hmm. And they said, 
because this one treats stroke patients and this is where you want her to be. So I actually lost consciousness when they put me in the ambulance. So the next thing I knew is when I woke up in the hospital, I had a hospital gown on and a needle in my arm and I remember none of it. Wow. And so how long were you hospitalized? I was hospitalized for four days. Um, I was in the emergency room for a day, and they wanted to get me out of the emergency room, but they didn't have any anything in the hospital itself. So I, I had my treatment there. Um, and it was kind of interesting because we had a – occupational therapist or maybe it was a physical therapist come down and walk me around the room and I could remember getting up and walking like Igor and (laughs) the only thing I know I think the only way I stayed upright is because she held me up and I can say that I was so tired by the time I got back to my bed I went back to sleep, and I was out for hours. It was a lot harder than I ever imagined it could be. Yeah. So you were only in the hospital four days. Were you then sent to an outpatient care, or what was the next step in your recovery? So my next step was a rehab hospital. Inpatient? They, inpatient. So they sent me there for, at first it was a week, but they extended it to two weeks. And the thing about the rehab hospital is they have physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy every day for the patients. And I think that makes the world of difference because they got you, they got me speaking again, although I didn't speak much. They got me walking around the room again and they (laughs) I love the occupational therapist because they got they treat you how they teach you how to do things like brush your teeth again and I'm sorry but so when I'm brushing my teeth and you spit into the sink Mm -hmm. you usually don't worry about having anything in the way right I could not get my hand out of the way oh. for, for months. <laughs> so I don't know. It was I, I, the way I look at it is you have to laugh or, laugh or cry. So I choose to laugh at what happened. To yeah, me because, absolutely. Yeah. There's too much to cry about anyway. So we laugh. Yeah. So, you know, um, with all those therapies, uh, you said you were in there for two weeks at the inpatient, um, yeah. and you started to walk and talk again. A little bit. And yeah. yeah. And so then what, what was the next step? So they released you from inpatient. Um, right. and then, and then what was the next step in your journey? Well, the next step was home health care. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that we found 
was really annoying about health, health home health care, and that is you cannot go anywhere or else your insurance company will go, I'm sorry, you're no longer oh. covered for this because you left the house. <laughs> so for six weeks, we had the home health care occupational therapist, speech therapist, and physical therapist come into the house. And it was actually more interesting than I thought with the speech therapist. She was great. Um, So she gave me puzzles to do, games to play. Like if we played Scrabble, I felt sorry for the people sitting next to me because I could take 15 minutes or more looking at right. and I would <laughs> And I would lay them down. And they'd look at them and say, no, Marsha, I'm sorry. That's not a word. <laughs> so I'd pick them up and try it again. So they didn't like playing Scrabble with me too much. <laughs> um, she's also good at getting me to read Dr. Seuss books. And the interesting thing about Dr. Seuss is he has all these pronunciations that you have to work your way through. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was not very good at that. (laughs) But it was good practice for me to try and try and try again. And that's really what I learned from her is just try it as many times as you need to. Um, And eventually you can learn how to say the words correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Just repetition, repetition, repetition. And I know it gets boring and you kind of want to give up, (laughs) but it's honestly, it's what, you know, I had Ben Utech on an interview. He was a Super Bowl champ and he talked about, you know, so many people give up in recovery because it hurts. Like, Oh, I can't read. It hurts my eyes or whatever. And he's like, I was an athlete. So like, you know, I fractured a hip yeah, it hurt, but I had to get through the PT to get better. He's like, and the brain, yeah. you know, is the same thing. And so sometimes yep. it hurts, but you just need to keep going and keep doing it. And eventually it gets yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know what pain was until I had my stroke. And I had severe pain for two or three years. Um, and in the end, it got better and better and better. I still have pain, but now I've gotten to the point where I just ignore it because there are other things to do in my life. <laughs> Can you describe the but pain? Is it your head or that, other parts of your body? Uh, so the pain was actually up and down my right-hand side, and it was okay. definitely the worst in my shoulder. Um, I would have called that a pain. And it was a 10 for over a year, probably maybe down to a nine at the end of a full year. Um, So it was that, then my hip was probably um, a seven. Then my foot and ankle were below my hip, but not much. Um, So it took a long time to, through the pain 
I mean, when I first seeing got when I first started seeing a um, massage therapist, she worked on my shoulder only, and she worked on my own shoulder only for months. Um, but eventually, you know, it got good enough to where she could finally work on my hip for months. It took a long time to get better. And I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's something that's not often talked about, especially with stroke. You don't, you know, like you weren't, you weren't in say a car accident. Like you didn't physically hurt the other parts of your body, but yet you have pain there. Um, So I'm glad that you brought that up because that is something I know not all stroke survivors have that, but definitely it's a commonality. Um, so yeah. um, what what eventually, was it the massage that was able to um, relieve the pain or what eventually helped with the pain? Well, massage helped, but I went to acupuncture and had acupuncture appointments. Um, I tried pretty much everything I could think of. I laid on a heating pad. In fact, I still lay, lay on the heating pad because I like it so much. <laughs> But it's four feet long and two feet wide. And for some reason, laying on it, smelling the uh, aroma of it late at night just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Um, I had a TENS unit that I hooked up to different parts of my body. Um, so if it was out there and I thought it might work, I'd give it a try. Some things didn't work, um, like I had a race of some sort and that didn't help me at all so I got rid of that pretty quickly but some things are for me priceless because they offer so much comfort to me and so through all of this um, you started becoming aware um, that there really wasn't anything out there on how to be your own healthcare advocate. And that led you to create your own. (laughs) You wrote your own book, (laughs) Stroke Forward. I wrote Um, my own book, yeah. So, like, what kind of got you thinking that you wanted to do this book? Well, I actually thought about writing a book when I was in the hospital. I thought about advocacy afterwards when I realized there wasn't anything out there. So I think I really formed my healthcare advocacy book on the fact that my husband and I knew nothing about healthcare advocacy when we went into the hospital. And the last Mm -hmm. time you want to figure out what's going on is when you're in a life-threatening situation. Yeah. So, so, and he, let's see, it was probably my first day in the hospital room. It just brought me up from the ER. My nurse put me in the bathroom. So I was sitting on the toilet and she went out to make my bed. And I didn't have any muscles on my right hand side that were working. So I fell over. And that is the point where my husband realized 
he had to become my advocate because nobody else was looking out for me. Now, it was maybe not her fault that she was making the bed because there were so many things that she needed to do. Um, But that means that we were responsible for me. And he learned healthcare advocacy one day at a time. So my hope is that someone will read this and say, okay, so at least now I have a basis of where I need to be. And they don't have to go through it step-by-step like we did. Yeah. So what are some of the steps that a person would find in your book? Like what are okay. some of the, you don't have to go through all of them, but what are, what are some of the highlights of your book? Well, um, they, so I put them at the end of every chapter and a great outline. Mm-hmm. So here's the first one. Keep a set of medical records on hand. So this is the first one in chapter two, I think. So keep a set of medical records on hand. Your advocate will need to know where your medical records, history, the medicines and supplements you take, the allergies you have, et cetera. Um, Talk about, this is the second one, talk about a healthcare directive when someone who is qualified, if you want to have control over how your care is managed, et cetera. So some of them are, very personal like that like these are the things you really need to do (laughs) and some are like I had aphasia which means it was a speaking disorder so this is further back in the book learn to speak again if you have aphasia apraxia or another language disorder speech therapists take the time to teach you pronunciation words grammar and meaning it takes a lot of effort but I found that speech therapy was essential to my well-being if you, ha- if you find that you are only partially healed, try a different therapy and don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, you know, I'm going to just kind of interject one in this might be in your book, but, you know, you talked about having the healthcare directive. Um, but mm-hmm. it's also so important to have a power of attorney appointed um, or oh, a conservator depending on what state you live in. So important. And this is something every single person should have. Um, You know, I have met people who were young. They were in their early 20s. They were in a car accident. They were unconscious. Their parents, let's say, had been divorced. And they fought over who was in charge of making decisions. And if they'd have had a uh, power of attorney, um, you know, it would have been more laid out who could make those decisions. Um, you know, it's those things you just don't think about. You know, we're young, we're healthy, I don't need to worry about it. But as any of us can attest, it happens in the blink of an eye, you don't see it coming. Um, so having those things in place is really, really important. And so many people just don't even think about it. And yeah. they're literally, you know, I think a power of attorney and a healthcare directive costs maybe like a hundred dollars through an attorney. Um, and I think some of them you can do on your own as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. I've done all mine through an attorney. Um, but yeah, just such, such important things to think about 
when you're healthy. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But nobody does. Or right. They don't want to think about end of life. And that's really the place where I might have been going for all we knew. Um, right. So, Marsha, have you have you been able to go back to work at all, or um, has advocacy kind of become your new career path? I do not work for anyone else. So I actually applied for jobs in 2015, and my aphasia was so bad that I couldn't actually do an interview. They'd call yeah. me up and I'd go, I, there was no talking for me right that, right at that point so I spent four and a half years writing my book and now I think I'm at a point where I need to learn more about being an advocate for other people I've learned about how to be an advocate for myself so now I think I need to know how to like, broaden my horizons so to mm-hmm. speak yeah do you see another book in your future or is is it one and done? <laughs> I think I might do another one, but I'm not sure what exactly it's going to be on. I find that I like the fact that I wrote a story about me, but it is a story that impacts three different audiences. So we've got the brain injury survivors. We've got the hair caretakers and we have the healthcare providers. And if you think about, or I'm sorry, healthcare advocates. So I have a lot of information packed into a very small space for three different people. And I think I did it pretty well. Yeah, I know I had zero intention of, doing a second book and it just kind of happened. So you just never know where, <laughs> where this crazy journey will take you. So Marcia, we are yeah. just about out of time. And so I do want to ask if you have any final thoughts, any parting words of wisdom for our listeners. I think my parting words of wisdom are don't ever give up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important to be all that you can be. And so that means that you have to try every single day, no matter how much it might hurt. And eventually it turns out to be pretty awesome. I never thought I'd write a book. I never thought I'd publish a book. And here I am today. Published. Yeah. That feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And just never giving up. And like you said, no matter how much it hurts, just keep pushing forward. And, you know, we're the only ones that can choose our attitude and how we feel. Nobody else can do that for us. Um, And so you have to make a conscious decision. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get done today. Even if you don't feel like doing it. (laughs) So, And there um, are plenty of days. (laughs) Yes. So I think those are powerful words. So thank you so much for being here, Marsha. I do have your book in the show notes. So anyone listening can find the show notes and get the link to your book. 
stroke forward, how to become your own healthcare advocate one step at a time. So thanks again, Marcia, for being here today. Thank you so much, Amy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Marsha Moran. Um, just a reminder, you can always find previous podcasts on the website at facesoftbi.com. And don't forget to follow on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer and join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook and grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. Another big thank you to our sponsor, the Functional Neurology Center. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you again next time.